0: Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 112, Man of Sorrows. Welcome back, Sister Scriptorians. I've been thinking about you. I've been thinking what this time of year means in your lives. I've been thinking how I know those of you here in the United States, how things have been tricky since March. I'm hoping you've been able to get together with friends and family. I hope you've been able to see family that you were quarantined from. I know some of you mamas have kids that are going back to school. I know there's some like me who are making decisions that they never thought they would make regarding school. I hope you're feeling supported. I hope you're being able to have your prayers answered as you petition Father about the decisions that you need to make in your life. I know that we can have heavy hearts sometimes as we make those decisions, but I know that you and I together, as we send our prayers up to Heavenly Father, that we are practicing and learning how to hear Him. And I hope that when you tune in to this podcast each week that you're feeling His Spirit, that you're learning more about Him, and that in some way I'm helping you as my sister be able to draw closer to Father. And I know that you, by listening to this podcast, it motivates me to be able to draw closer to Him and be in tune with Him and I thank you. So remember how the priest of Noah, there was a priest and he was trying to cross Abinadi and find something to accuse Abinadi of. How he quoted the 52nd chapter in Isaiah, which reads, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, and publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice, with the voice together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. Break forth into joy, sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord hath comforted his people, he hath redeemed Jerusalem." The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. The priest wanted to know from Abenadai, what meaneth the words which are written, which have been taught by our fathers. And does anyone else besides me see the irony that it was the words of Isaiah that were used that weren't quite being understood by the priest, and he was asking for meaning and clarification from Abinadi. Unknowingly, I believe, the priest of Noah had exposed himself and the others before Abinadi, and Abinadi, he didn't let the opportunity slide. And why did they... Who were supposed to be the teachers of the people and who were supposed to understand the spirit of prophecy. And why did they want to know Abinadi's explanation anyways? And were the priests aware that the, these very verses that were read to Abinadi were actually descriptions of what they ought to have been for the people that they served? I don't believe they did. For they had not applied to their hearts to understanding. And therefore, they weren't wise. We learn that they themselves, they taught the law of Moses, but they weren't keeping it. In fact, they had completely forgotten the very purpose of the law, which was to point them to Jesus Christ, to look forward to his coming, to look forward to his redemption of those who have faith in him. It wasn't the law that was going to save them. The law was designed to keep a stiff-necked and a quick-to-do iniquity and a slow-to-remember-the-Lord-their-God kind of people from wandering away from him. The law was to keep them focused on him. But they, both the people of Noah and also the Jews in Jerusalem, had misunderstood and their hearts had hardened. And even though Moses, the, the man whose name the law refers to, taught them about the coming of Jesus Christ, the coming of the Messiah. He and all the other prophets after him taught how God himself would come down among men, taking the form of man, and would go forth in mighty power upon the face of the earth. So mighty, in fact, would be his power that Jesus Christ would bring to pass the resurrection of the dead. And even though right in the very passage of scripture that the priest had read to Abinadi, it says right there, For the Lord hath comforted his people, he hath redeemed Jerusalem. The priest still remained blind to who it was or what it was that would save them and who their precious laws were supposed to be pointing them towards it would not be the law that saved them. It would be the atonement of Jesus Christ that would save them. So, Abinadi was asked, what's the meaning of Isaiah chapter 52? And to give further context of what 52 is all about, Abinadi basically says, yeah, I know what you're referring to, and you know, let me continue on with the next chapter in Isaiah. To show you who is going to be that comfort for you and who is going to redeem you. So, Abinadi carries on and he quotes Isaiah chapter 53, which is our Mosiah chapter 14. And you must promise me, sister scriptorians, that you will read it. It is beautiful and poetic. And it captures the intimate and personal experience of Jesus Christ as he completed his mission here on earth. You know, we all start at different starting places in life. And the starting place of the Savior when he came among men wasn't spectacular. Isaiah poetically calls Jesus a tender plant. And that he was A root out of dry ground, meaning that despite the loving parents he was born to, I believe the best of the best, I'm sure, the world and the environment, the spiritual environment that he was exposed to didn't necessarily give him all the nurturing that a God like him deserved, or you would imagine that he would be placed in. You read Isaiah's words and you pick out he had no form No comeliness, meaning there wasn't anything about him physically that would draw and attract a crowd. In fact, there was no beauty to cause those he mingled with to desire him. And think of how we today hold up beauty. How much accolades and attention and, you know, even excuses that we give the beautiful A lot of assumptions are made by society about those who are beautiful. They are easily followed and we believe we want to know their secrets because we figure they must have everything figured out because of the external beauty that they have. But this wasn't the case for the Savior. Instead, he was despised and rejected, which is something that so many of us fear. Rejection. We'll do anything and we'll actually make decisions ahead of time just so we don't experience rejection. Yet the King of Kings, when he walked the earth, was rejected. And I find it humbling to read here in Isaiah that Isaiah referred to Jesus as being a man of sorrows. And I think about how painful sorrow is. How I hate to feel sorrow and I want to be rid of it. How passionately many of us will resist sorrow or when we do feel it, when we do allow the experience. How we wonder what's wrong with me and how long is this feeling going to last. Yet Jesus's life was such that sorrow was familiar to him. Enough to be characterized by it. For he was acquainted with grief and people hid from him. He was despised and not esteemed or appreciated or held in high favor for who he truly was or is. And as I reflect on these scripture verses, do you recall last week's Instagram learn, like, and lift moment? Did you go and listen to it? How the Lord describes Himself as a jealous God, meaning He has deep, sensitive feelings regarding us, His creations, and He holds on tightly to who He is and what He can do and be in our lives. How there should be no other gods put before Him. How He won't share space with our idols that distract us and give us only temporary pleasure and security. God knows his worth. He knows what he can do for us. He doesn't doubt who he is and what his role is in our lives. Yet when he came to earth, he was despised, misunderstood, rejected, shunned, and not valued or appreciated for what he would accomplish for us. Regardless of how he was treated, though, he did not doubt Or walk away in confusion, thinking he must have got it all wrong. No. He stood his ground and he bore our griefs. And he held on to us jealously. He, throughout his mission, had deep, sensitive feelings towards you and I. Carrying with him our burdens and experiencing all of our worst moments. The sorrow that you feel today, or you felt yesterday, or you will feel in the future, he carried it with him for you. And you know what? Isaiah reminds us that those among him observed him as stricken and smitten of God. Remember that there were those who would say he hath a devil, Because they misunderstood his feelings of affliction or even the miracles that he performed. I love him so much for what he carried around for me. Because he was bruised for our iniquities, not his, for ours. And I think of the everyday transgressions that trip us up. The anger that rises up and we don't know what to do with it, and so perhaps we react. Or the self-loathing and the abuse that we do to ourselves on the regular. Think of those sticky sensations of envy or our disappointments or our inability to feel joy for whatever reason. he bore all of it. And as Isaiah says, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. That means all of the feelings we experience when we don't feel peace that comes as a consequence or a chastisement for our transgressions, he's already taken care of that. He has suffered the consequences, he has paid the price of chastisement. With His stripes we are healed, not with our bruisings, not with our slaps in the face that we give ourselves, but with His stripes we are healed. What we must do is have faith in Him, faith strong enough to loosen our grip on those feelings of chastisement that we experience that keep peace out of our reach. Which takes us into strange roads if we don't let go. That we just don't need to travel. Because he, through his atonement, has already blocked those paths for us. And he has prepared perfect detours to get us where we want to go. To get us back to him. The good news that Abinadi was passionate revealing to those around him and to us was the truth that someone, very real, and perfectly capable of saving us from the agony of sin, and therefore closing the distance created by transgression, he would be coming, and he wouldn't fail us. The law, while it's a good place to start and must be kept its lists of do's and don'ts, it has no power to save you. We are all like sheep who have gone astray because of the mistakes that we are inevitably going to make. In the eyes of the law, we are always going to fall short. It can never make us clean to enter into God's presence simply because there is not one of us who will go through life perfectly abiding by it. The law will only show us And reflect back to us where we failed. But he who has lived your burdens, who very intimately knows your struggles and your sorrows, whether you have felt oppressed or afflicted or silenced or feel unseen, whether you have been misjudged or rejected or scorned or cast aside, Whether you have been lonely and without a tribe, financially insecure, ridiculed, or had false witness borne against you, or whether the groups of gossip are rising up against you and surrounding you with their contention or alienating you with it, or you have suffered grief and loss that is so deep that you can't catch your breath, whether your heart feels broken, or crushed with disappointment, he who will save you, he who will restore you back to wholeness is Jesus Christ. He is your personal Jesus. And there is nothing that you are experiencing right now or that you have experienced in the past or the future holds for you to experience. There is nothing That will throw him off or leave him perplexed about you. I know that in times of grief and sorrow, it is agonizing to hear that that experience is for your own good. That, in my opinion, is slightly misunderstood. And that's why it feels so jarring that God would give us an experience that is so painful for our good. Jesus Christ knew sorrow. And there is nothing wrong with us experiencing those raw feelings in moments of disappointment, rejection, loss, if we could go on. But it is him somehow, through his mercy, that eventually he takes those moments and he sanctifies them for us. He makes them as sacred for us as his cross and tomb were for him and it's through him that we are transformed it's not the experience that is making us better it is our permission that we give him in those moments to pour out his soul upon us because he is who he is He will gladly divide the spoils of his victory with you. Not too fast, where we just can't take it all in, but little by little, until it seeps into every part of us and we are transformed because of him. Now, as your very own spiritual life coach, this is where I want to guide you to act today. Grab your scriptures and read Mosiah 14, marking the emotional tribulations that the Lord suffered. And I want you to see yourself in his sorrows. How he really is your personal Jesus. Also, go to sisterscriptorians.com and download the Ponder Prompt for this episode, episode 112. Sometimes we carry around heavy burdens of fear and doubt and insecurity and anger and confusion. And we just don't know how to go from there to feeling those feelings to allowing the Savior to take upon him the chastisements of our peace. Or how to allow him to heal us with his stripes. So I want to help you begin And a place to begin is with thought work. Getting all the thoughts and feelings that you're having onto paper and then deliberately taking a look at them. And then using your agency to see which thoughts you want to keep and how you want to move forward. And you might ask, how does this relate to scripture? Sometimes we just hold on very tightly to what we're experiencing, what's swirling around inside of us. And we become overwhelmed by the story that we're telling ourselves and the feelings that that story is generating for us. But by taking a look at the thoughts and seeing the truth and the errors in them, it can be one way to let go just a little. And it can be another way to make space for the spirit to say, I've got this let me take over. So download the ponder prompt and take a look at it. Because this Thursday at 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, I will be doing another coaching call focusing on this technique and you're invited. We'll be going over this ponder prompt together, and if you've signed up to be a Sister Scriptorians, you will receive an email with the Zoom meeting ID and password giving you access to this experience, and, you, and if you haven't signed up yet, go to sisterscriptorians.com, and at the top of the homepage there is a space for you to sign up. It's pretty simple. And I'd love to be able to see you and to teach you how to use this ponder prompt this week so that you can learn how to get to the point where you just let go a little so that the Spirit can then step in. So let's learn how to let go and let God. Sister Scriptorians, I've given you a lot of assignments today, but here they are again. Read for yourself, Mosiah 14, slowly slowly and highlight the Lord's afflictions that He experienced. Sign up to be a Sister Scriptorian so that you can download this week's Ponder Prompt and join me for Thursday's coaching call at 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Finally, follow me on Instagram and let me hear from you.